Welcome to the ProVest Perspective with Noel Swain, CFP, and host Pamela Lida. Noel is an investment advisor with Cambridge Investment Research, a monthly columnist for the Spartanburg Herald Journal newspaper, and has been interviewed many times on NPR. So sit back, grab a cup of coffee, and get ready for some straightforward, honest talk. Now, here's Noel Swain and host Pamela Lida. Several weeks ago on The Provost Perspective, we started looking at common questions that many investors have, especially new investors, but they feel uncomfortable asking them. We started off talking about stock market basics, where we discussed the difference between the Dow Jones, the S&P 500, and the NASDAQ, as well as we looked at why the Dow is valued higher than the S&P 500. Then we talked about different investment types. We discussed the pros and cons of both stocks and bonds, the difference between passively managed and actively managed funds, as well as the differences between mutual funds, exchange-traded funds, also known as ETFs, and hedge funds. We ended that podcast touching on the six questions that you should answer for yourself so that you know which investment type or types are right for you. On our last podcast, we went into the basics of bonds. And we discussed the different types of bonds, as well as some of the most common bond terms like par value, coupon rate, and yield. Now, if you missed any of these podcasts, you can get all that information on our written report, questions you are afraid to ask. You can download it for free at our website, www.theprovestperspective.com. Once again, that website address is theprovest, P like Paula, R-O-V like Victor, E-S-T, perspective, theprovestperspective.com. Now, on today's podcast, we're going to go into some detail about some common investing trends. Hello, Noel. Hello there. It's great to be here on this podcast. We're actually one office down from where we've been, so we've got some new walls to look at while we're recording this, but we're looking forward to getting It'll this It'll be done. nice when we get our video because there's a prettier walls. Yeah. And we do promise to have video coming at some point. It's just going to take some time. I'm just hoping. I'm just hoping. <laughs> I can start get, brushing your Get to be a little bit better looking by the time <laughs> we get to the video part. But, but anyway, it's great to be here, and I'm looking forward to this subject today. All right. So let's get started with investing trends. The first question we're going to tackle today is, what are the pros and cons of investing apps? Well, there are four advantages to investing apps that I want to discuss today. One, mobile investing apps enable people to buy and sell certain types of securities from their phone. They have provided investors with a quick and easy way to access the markets. For new investors who are just getting started, these apps have made the act of investing more accessible than ever. And that's, I think, a good thing. Even today, many people only invest through an employer-sponsored retirement account like a 401k. That's because they may lack the resources, the confidence, or the ability to invest in any other way. But not everyone has access to a 401k. And while they are a great way to save for retirement, many people have other financial goals they want to invest for, too. So mobile apps provide a handy, ready-made way to do just that. Now, number two, secondly, many apps enable you to invest right from your phone anytime, anywhere. In addition, many apps don't require a minimum deposit, so you can start investing with just a few dollars. Third, the next advantage is that most popular apps often charge extremely low fees, 
or maybe even no fees at all to buy or sell stocks and ETFs. And then lastly, many apps also come with features beyond just trading. Some apps will help you invest any spare change or extra money rather than let it simply lie around in a bank account. Others enable you to invest automatically, daily, weekly, bi-weekly, monthly, etc. That's really neat because investing regularly is a key part of building a substantial nest egg. No surprise then that these apps have skyrocketed in popularity. According to an article in Business of App, app usage increased from 28.9 million in 2016 to more than 137 million in 2021. Well, investment apps also come with some definite advantages, Noel. So what are some of those? Well, there are some questionable downsides in thinking about it. So before one should whip out the phone and start trading, there are some important things to know first. When you think about it, an app is essentially just a tool. And like any tool, there are things it does well and things that it doesn't do too well. And like any tool, it can be dangerous if it's misused. The first issue is that the very accessibility that makes these apps so popular is also what makes them risky. When you have a tool that provides easy, no-cost trading, it can be extremely tempting to overuse it. According to a 2022 article in the Toronto Star, researchers have found that this temptation can lead to overly risky and emotional decision-making as investors try to chase the latest hot stocks or constantly guess what tomorrow will bring. So, what's the result? Pennies are saved on fees, but fortunes are lost on speculation. Second, and the biggest issue, is that while these apps may make it easy to invest, they provide no help with actually reaching your financial goal. No app, no matter how sophisticated, can answer your questions, especially when you don't even know the questions to ask. No app can hold your hand and help you judge between emotional-driven headlines and events that necessitate changes to a portfolio. No app can help you determine which investments are right for your situation. Just as you can't hammer nails with a saw or tighten a bolt with a screwdriver, no app can help you plan for where you want to go and what you need to get there. No, I'm sure this is where an advisor plays an important role. Well, that's right. And I'm not just being self-serving here. Take a moment to think about the goals you have in your life. It could be anything. For instance, here are a few my clients have expressed to me over the years. They want to start a new business. They want to visit the country of their ancestors. They want to support local charities and cause it. They want to design and build their own house. They want to play as much golf as possible. They want to volunteer in their church. They want to visit every Major League Baseball stadium. They want to send their kids to college, read more books on the beach, tour national parks in a motorhome. Spend time with family. Achieving these goals often requires investing. But there is more to investing than just buying and selling stocks. There's more to investing than simply trading. Investing, when you get down to it, is a process of determining what you want, what kind of return you need to get it, and where to place your money for the long term to maximize 
your chance of earning that return. Today, folks, it's a process, a process that should start now and last for the rest of your life, a process that an app alone cannot handle. Just as you can't build a house with only a saw. So what are my thoughts on mobile investing app? Well, they're a tool. And for some people, very useful. But they should never be the only tool in your toolbox. So if you're not already working with an advisor, it's important to make sure you're hiring the best advisor for you. So we have a report. It's entitled 14 Interview Questions, and it can assist you with this. You can find this report at our website, theprovestperspective.com. And if you have any questions for Noel about investing apps, just give us a call at 800-277-0025, whether you have a question for us on the phone or perhaps you want to come in and talk with us in person. 1-800-277-0025. All right, Noel, the next question is about another investing trend. And this question is, what does it mean to invest in cash? Well, here are some headlines just from the last year or so. Cash is king again. Warren Buffett sits tight on cash. No more cash is trash, billionaire hedge fund manager says. How much of an investment portfolio should be in cash? Those are all headlines. That, well, I don't know if you've seen them, but I have. Headlines like these often confuse new investors. But even experienced investors sometimes wonder, what does it mean to invest in cash? After all, we don't usually think of the word cash in relation to investing. For most people, cash is the stuff you keep in <laughs> you know, your wallet or in the sock in your underwear drawer. So what does it mean exactly? The question is a textbook example of an intelligent question that people are afraid to ask. Fortunately, investing in cash is a fairly simple concept. It means to invest in a type of short-term security for a set period of time in exchange for one or more interest rate payment. A certificate of deposit. Uh, money market accounts, and treasury bills. That's three examples. These securities are known as cash-equivalent investments, but just the word cash is often used as an umbrella term to cover all the various types. And this is because these types of investments are very, very liquid, which means that the funds inside them can be converted to actual cash quickly and easily compared to stocks, bonds, or investment accounts like 401ks or IRA. Stocks and bonds aren't always easy to sell, and depending on the timing, you may sell for a lower amount than what you paid for. And withdrawing the money from an IRA or 401k before you retire can trigger financial penalties from the government. That's why these types of securities, like the certificates of deposit or CDs, or money market accounts and treasury bills are referred to as investing in cash. They still provide a return, hence the investing part, but also a level of liquidity that is close to actual physical currency. Cash investments can be very handy for three different reasons. One, it can keep your money safe in a volatile market. Money markets and certificates of deposit are historically stable investments and are often insured up to a certain point by the federal government. Number two, you can still earn a small return on it in the form of interest rate payments, which are generally higher than with a basic savings account. Number three, it provides easy access within a relatively short period of time. Most money markets have a maturity of six months or less. 
Treasury bills mature within one year or less. CDs, meanwhile, usually have a maturity of six months to maybe a few years. That certainly makes a whole lot of sense. And I can see why investing in cash can be advantageous. But I'm sure that this also comes with some disadvantages. Well, there are some downsides to investing in cash. For one thing, if your focus is on growing your money, there are usually much better options. That's why many investors often shun putting too much money into cash because they feel there are more productive ways to invest. And quite frankly, they're right. Number two, while they are very liquid compared to other securities, there are still penalties if you withdraw the money from, say, a CD before maturity. Money markets don't have an early withdrawal penalty, but many banks and credit unions will charge monthly fees if the balance falls below a certain minimum. So, with all that in mind, why have we seen so many headlines about cash in recent years? Well, it all has to do with interest rates. As you probably know, the Federal Reserve has been gradually raising interest rates for much of the past two years to bring down the rate of inflation. When the Fed raises rates, banks and credit unions usually follow suit. As a result, some cash investments have been paying higher interest rates than is normally the case. This, coupled with a volatile stock market, has caused cash to gain in popularity with some investors. It's impossible to know how long this trend is going to continue. And it's worth emphasizing that cash, like all securities, is an investment that is sometimes right for some people in some situations but not always right for all people all the time. And so if you think about a regular market cycle where you have the stocks are doing well, they're going up and the stocks are gaining in value and more and more people are buying them. And then you get to a certain point where the stocks have reached a level of value that is higher than their intrinsic value should be and people start selling those stocks, and then the stock market turns down. That's basically a market cycle. And so it's important for us to realize that, you know, we were talking about the apps a little bit before. This is where those apps won't help you. They won't help you understand, well, we're in this particular part of a market cycle. And maybe, maybe you should just hang in there and not sell. You know, and we're going to get to that in just a few minutes. If you're interested in cash investments, be sure to talk about it with a qualified financial professional first to make sure that it's right for you, as Noel said. And if you don't have an advisor and have a question or concern, you can call Noel at 800-277-0025. Like to come in and talk with him in person. Just remember that first appointment is complimentary. The number to reach us is 1-800-277-0025. All right, next question, Noel. What exactly is copy trading? Well, you come up with the weirdest stuff to ask, don't you? Investing trends, right? We have to (laughs) keep our audience attuned to what the investing trends are. All right, everybody that's listening to me. They may not be familiar with If you've ever heard the term copy trading, raise your hand. If you're driving the car, don't do it. Don't raise your hand, but just sort of nod your head. Anyway, copy trading enables individuals to automatically copy positions that are open and managed by other selected individuals. The purpose is to replicate the trades of more experienced investors. 
The idea of copy trading is simple. Technology is used to copy the real-time trades of other live investors so that every time they trade, their trades can be copied into the investor's brokerage account. The copying trader usually retains the ability to disconnect copy trades and manage them themselves. They can also close the copy relationship altogether, which closes all copy positions at the current market price. Copied investors, who are called leaders or signal providers, are often compensated by flat monthly subscription fees on the part of a trader, a signal follower who is seeking to copy their trade. This is how copy trading works. The brokerage provides a copy trading software or application. Traders then sign up with the brokerage and link their accounts to the copy trading app. As the copied investor trades and builds a track record, then their performance data, such as monthly returns and profitability, can be monitored through the app. The copied investor selects which signals to follow. Then when the copying investor connects, every transaction executed is automatically replicated in the copying investor's account. In return, the copied investor charges the copier a percentage of the profits that he makes. That's a really neat concept, but I bet it comes with some real advantages and disadvantages. Uh, right? <laughs> yeah. I would say there's four major advantages to copy trading. First, flexibility. While copy trading involves simply copying the trades of a provider, the copier still maintains control of how much they want to risk per trade. Second is efficiency. Becoming a successful trader is a long journey, and not every trader can dedicate multiple hours per day to this. However, copy trading allows you to trade right alongside top traders, even if you're busy with other things. The third is transparency. In copy trading, there is a leaderboard where you can compare different providers and their performance. This means wins and losses are all visible to see. Lastly is diversification. Copy trading is not only helpful for traders who lack the time to do any trading on their own, traders can also choose to copy someone as a diversification tool. If your own strategy isn't performing well or you're finding a lack of trading opportunities, copy trading might make up for some of it. Now, there are some disadvantages too. So let's talk about them just a second. First, picking the right trader can be difficult. If you were thinking of buying into a stock or investment fund, you would probably spend some time doing research to figure out if it's the right decision. So this is the same sort of approach you should use when choosing which traders to copy. It's not necessarily the traders with the highest monthly returns you want to copy. There are other factors to consider, such as maximum drawdown and how much trading history the trader has. Not understanding the risks is the next thing. Copy trading can be risky because losses are replicated in the same way that wins are. While you have some control over the risk, you do not control the trades of the trader you are following. Marking conditions could change. 
and the master trader may struggle to adapt or they may be stressed and unable to control their emotions when they are trading. The third thing is additional cost. Some traders charge a subscription fee if you want to copy their trades, so always check before you do that trading. Number four, there's always market risk. Coffee trading does not protect you from all the typical market risks such as slippage, rejected orders, or platform outages. All right, some quick background information for those listening to us for the first time. Noel Swain started Provis Wealth Advisors 40 years ago in Spartanburg, South Carolina, and he's been a certified financial planner for 30 years. This is the year that we've reached that big 40 and 30, but we have an active management style that is based on following trends, so we can react and make trades accordingly. Additionally, Noel has a retirement planning tool that he uses to help prepare his clients for retirement. And if you would like to talk with him on the phone or in person about either one of these options, please call us at 800-277-0025. Again, the number to call us to set up an appointment or to talk with Noel on the phone, 800-277-0025. All right, Noel, the last question that we're going to answer today is, why have REITs become increasingly popular once again? And you can explain what REITs are. Yeah, a REIT, a lot of times we get in Scott's in our office and we get jargon and people listen to it. Ah, what the heck is a REIT? The REIT is spelled R-E-I-T. It stands for Real Estate Investment Trust. The rapidly emerging consensus is that the Federal Reserve is entering a new, somewhat more accommodative period that increases the prospects for stabilizing and even declining interest rates. So even though interest rates are high now, Investors are anticipating them to decline substantially in the years ahead. And this means that sectors that have been hurt by higher rates, such as real estate and real estate investment trusts, may be poised for a rebound in the year ahead as those rates fall. Those REITs offer the ability to own real estate without all the headaches of actually managing it yourself. REITs enjoy significant tax advantages, most notably the ability to avoid tax at the corporate level in exchange for paying out most of their income as dividends. REITs often offer among the highest dividends in any industry. Publicly traded REITs are among the best types of real estate investment trusts to invest in because they offer higher yield, lower overall management costs, and the scrutiny of public investors. With interest rates likely to fall in the short to medium term, the cost for REITs is poised to fall also. The impressive performance of REITs, though, during late October and November may be a signal that the end of the rate-raising cycle will herald a new period of real estate investment trust or REIT outperformance. It's important to remember that although now might seem like a good time to buy REITs, there are a few common mistakes investors would be wise to avoid, especially if the economy faces volatility in the future. First thing is selling at the bottom. Investing is all about buying low and selling higher. So when the market drops substantially, as it did in 2022, You want to evaluate whether you're selling only because the REIT has gone down or because you think it's going to fall further due to fundamentals. 
The market is often effective at predicting the future. Good news can happen without you being aware of it. And often the good news can be attributed to investors becoming less pessimistic overall. If you had sold REITs in 2022, you would have suffered losses and missed the growth these assets have enjoyed since November 2023. Instead of selling when the price drops, savvy investors know that buying the dip can be advantageous, assuming strong fundamentals and supply-side dynamics hold. Now, another thing that can be sort of against you if you don't do it right, and that's not analyzing a REIT carefully, because there are some bad ones out there. Whether you're considering buying or selling a REIT, it's important to analyze them and the industry of REITs carefully. REITs operate in many different sectors, such as healthcare, lodging, apartments, retail, and data centers, just to name a few. The dynamics of each of these sectors is tremendously different, so you can't take a one-size-fits-all approach. Before you make a decision on how to proceed, consider these factors as well as the more specific situation at each company. Are tenants paying their rent? Is the debt load manageable? Will the company need to raise money in the future if the economy goes into a downturn? These are just a few of the questions you'll want to consider before taking any action. And then third, letting fear keep you from buying good rates. A lot of fear. I deal with it with clients just about every day. If you've analyzed the company and the long-term future looks good, it could be a mistake not to buy more, especially if you're receiving a significant discount to what you think the REIT will be worth in the future. And even good companies can become cheaper as new information emerges or investors become more pessimistic. While REITs are known for their stable dividend, if a REIT isn't collecting its rent, it will have a hard time paying the dividend to their owner. So doing a thorough analysis of a REIT can help you eliminate any such fears. And I've dealt with REITs a lot. Now, they are a fairly illiquid investment, or at least the non-traded REITs are. If you go in and buy traded REITs, then they are about as liquid as a stock. You can buy and sell them at will. But they are a little bit more volatile also than the non-traded REIT. And so if you're thinking about buying into a real estate investment trust, you might want to give me a call and have a discussion about it. And if there's a particular one you're looking at, let me know and I'll do a little research into it for you. Just stay in touch. We've been discussing investment trends today, and today we've discussed four. Investing apps, investing in cash, copy trading, and REITs, and that's Real Estate Investment Trust. Now, you can access a complete report with all of the information we've discussed today, as well as these past few weeks on our free report. It's entitled, Questions You Were Afraid to Ask. And you can find it and download it for free at www.theprovestperspective.com. And be sure and check out our other free reports on Social Security, retirement, investing, etc. A lot of good stuff at our website. We also have some short video clips of our active management style as well as our wealth toolkit just to give you some little tidbits on how those work. But all of them can be found at our website, theprovestperspective.com. And if there are any questions that you have been afraid to ask, don't hesitate to send us an email to asknoel 
A-S-K-N-O-E-L at theprovostperspective.com. Again, that's asknoel at theprovostperspective.com. And if you have any questions on how Provost manages funds or how Noel uses the Wealth Toolkit to help formulate a retirement plan, call us 800-277-0025. Whether it's a question for Noel or an appointment you'd like to set up, you can reach us at, once again, that number, 800-277-0025. Now, hopefully you know a good bit more than you did an hour ago about some recent investing trends. I know I have certainly learned some information today. But this concludes our series on questions you were afraid to ask. But we're going to be back again next week with another information-packed show. But until then, remember, don't just invest, provest. And thanks for listening to the Provest Perspective Podcast. Make sure you subscribe so you never miss an episode. For more information on Noel Swain CFP or this episode, visit theprovestperspective.com. These are the opinions of Noel Swain CFP and not necessarily those of Cambridge and are for informational purposes only. Discussions in this show should not be construed as specific recommendations or investment advice. Always consult with your investment professional before making important investment decisions. Securities offered through registered representatives of Cambridge Investment Research, Inc., a broker-dealer, member FINRA-SIPC. Advisory services offered through Cambridge Investment Research Advisors, Inc., a registered investment advisor. Provest Wealth Advisors in Cambridge are not affiliated. Indices mentioned are unmanaged and cannot be invested into directly. Investing involves risk depending on the type of investments there may be varying degrees of risk investors should be prepared to bear loss including total loss of principal 